Did you hear that? What? What? That. That noise. Was that the horror comedy podcast? With Jake and Haley, Sundays and Wednesdays. The only podcast where we get high and try to scare you and share short, scary stories. Contains marijuana. Keep away from children. If you couldn't guess from the sounds, it's the horror comedy podcast with, with Haley. Jake and Haley. With Haley. And Jake. And Jake. And Haley. And me. And Jake. And you. And you, our long lost child. I mean, listener. Happy fucking Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Honestly, like you're our Valentine. <laughs> Happy Corporate America Day. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's real, but... Thank you for listening. I love this podcast so much. I hope you like it, too. And I love you for listening to us and hanging out with us. And I do mean love, because it's Valentine's Day. So that means we're doing this shit for real today. We're going to get stoned. We're going to enjoy some drinks. We're going to hang out. Some libations. Some libations. And I'm going to tell you and Jake about something creepy. Jake is like the voice of reason here. He's going to make jokes. He's going to ask questions. I'm on your side. People. He's on your side. He's your he's your little baby scary advocate. We're gonna You're have a good time. Scarecovit. You're scarecovit. Uh, that's nothing. It's good. That. It's good. Delete. I love it. We're keeping in it. We're gonna have a good time. I'm really excited about tonight's episode. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we love a holiday. And we are gassed up. And we are gassed up. Gas, 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 gas. We love a themed episode. Heart shaped. Basically, this one is heart shaped. The whole nine yards. Yes. I like. made the cutest graphic today at work. Did you? With hearts Aww. and the letterhead. Yeah, it was great. That is really great. Yeah, and everybody's going to see it. It's exciting. <laughs> 719 Dispensary. <laughs> We're going to have a good time tonight. I'm really excited. Um, Valentine's Day is actually a very creepy holiday. I know how like cool and fun it is to hate Valentine's Day because it's all pink and corporate and chocolate flavor. Corporate. But under those pink foil wrappers, kids, is a dark blood red shade okay and it's called my bloody valentine in 3d no it, movie ever. it is it is creepier than halloween valentine's day is creepier than halloween would you consider that movie a halloween movie or a valentine's day movie both it's very dynamic from the npr website uh quote from february 13th to 15th the romans celebrated the feast of the feast of Lu- <laughs> the feast of lupercalia the men sacrificed a goat and a dog then whipped women with the hides of the animals they had just slain. Damn right. You ever been to the hide whipping? <laughs> That's fucking Thursday night, baby. They were drunk. They were naked. Hell yeah. Oh my God. This sounds like a party. Young women would actually line up for the men to hit them. <gasps> they believed that this would make them fertile. Hell yeah. There's also... You're just back there be like, oh, fuck this. Um, oh, I'm a man. I'm going to go. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a history of two executions of people named Valentine. And then from there, pretty much Shakespeare wrote all this romantic shit. Fucking uh, guy. He, he's all over the place. And it pretty much kicked off the commercialization of Valentine's Day because it gave corporations an opportunity to monetize that through theater and whatnot. So I did watch a movie in church one time. Whoa. It's like Sunday school. And it was about St. Valentine. Oh, shit. Yeah. It, it was. It had a weird spinoff that was like something about love. Dang. I don't remember. It was something about love in the Bible. Oh, shit. If you know what movie I'm talking about, drop us a comment. Hit us up. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so basically, Jake, agree or disagree to the following statement. 
we are Shakespeare. Us? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Agreed. I'm glad we're on the stake on the same page because we are just audio Shakespeare. Audio Shakespeare. Thank <gasps> you. Yeah, we're basically just stoking the commercialized flames of Valentine's Fuck. Day with with uh, sick and twisted love stories to sick and twisted love stories. Embolden your passions, basically, as a listener. Basically, so. we turned a corporate holiday into Halloween. That's, That's what right. We do best. That's what we've been doing. True to Valentine's Day tradition, we're going to have a love themed episode tonight. Isn't her name love? <laughs> <laughs> it's a real drama. It's a rise to fame, a love story, a tragic ending with loose and questionable ends. So yeah, loose, we're Shakespeare. Uh, Lucy goosey morals. It's fine. We're Shakespeare. It's all good. Uh, before we get into it, Jake, what are we smoking today? <sighs> Marijuana. Mm. I think I make that joke every... Every time. Every time. <laughs> we are smoking. Uh, that one is... That's actually a new company out there. Okay called texco brand new to the market okay i think it's a fucking cured live resin i don't know what that means don't know i thought i knew what dislet means but this fucking kid at work was all like that's actually not what it means and i'm like okay well then i don't fucking know then i was just like well they don't know that (laughs) (laughs) and it is what it means because i googled it today bastard i was right it is gelato cake. It is gelato cake. It is gelato, gelato cake. cake cured resin, I think. By Texco, and it has 74% THC, so I'm going to... So, what they do uh, to make it like a lighter color is they put it in this like CRC filter. Like, strains it more. Dang. And then it makes it like a... It's a higher potency, lighter color type dealio. High potency, yeah. But it's low yield. Oh, what's that mean? So the more you do it, the less you get out. Oh. So you have to sell it for a higher profit margin. I see. If you didn't have that screen in there and you just processed it like once, you'd sell it for cheaper. Because you'll get more, too. You'll like... Because it, it's the material's not sticking through as many filters. Okay? So the more filters you add, the more material gets stuck in there and the less you produce okay so less filters more yield that's fucking neat <laughs> that, i thought about doing a podcast about weird shit you should you know? but then i'm like damn do we I have even, the technology do know that much? you do Apparently you know i just took a dab of that shit i am very high i did just cough my balls off i am i guess now pretty good check it out come get it at 719 yes come get it at 719 dispensary if you guys are in pueblo like let us know. Let us know. We want friends. <laughs> Unless you're weird. Please help. Um, uh, Jake, and then also, the, we always ask this question as we open the podcast. Jake, how are you? I feel great. You feel great? Some would say I had a bad day at work. In my eyes, it was the greatest day ever. Don't fuck with me. Just kidding. No. I, I had a great day. Jake had a great day. Okay. Lots should happen. Still a good day, though. A bad day doesn't mean you have a bad life. Yeah, I love that. You know how, like, uh, there's a few different examples I can think of, but people, everybody walks a different way. Actually, like, the way you walk is one of your unique identifiers. Um, it's hard to explain, like, even through science. Walk with big dick energy. Walk with, And when you came home today, Jake, you were walking with big dick energy. Or wide vagina spirit. You were walking with both. Yeah. All of one. the above. Anything you got, we don't care. Both? Just walk with pride. Walk with 
non-binary, non-binary, walk with pride, carry yourself, intersexual you pride, are worth it. We fucking okay? love you. You, you woke up and you fucking, you killed it today. And actually, that's okay. been your KD ratio for every single bad day. Like you are one and zero. Look, or maybe you have died before and been resuscitated, what? and then, and I then you're one and one. It was really nice to see you come home feeling good. And um, I hope that everybody gets to see their loved one feeling good. I hope that or you get, I hope to, feel they get good. to feel that. Good. I hope you get to feel that good. I hope you get to speak your truth. I hope you get that opportunity. I hope you're feeling good and strong. And if not, let's escape and just get scared together. Tonight, we are going to talk about something uh, musical. Terrifying. I mean musical. Musical, yeah. We've done an episode about a musician before when we talked about Robert Johnson. You should check that episode out. It's actually one of my favorites. Robert Johnson, he sold his soul to become like... Oh, yeah. And his music influences everything. He's amazing. Blues musician, yeah. He's incredible. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about a band. Uh, Preliminary, Jake, how do you feel? Nirvana. Well, yeah. I've reached Nirvana. We're going to talk about Nirvana today. Oh, knew it. How much do you know about? I mean, do you like Nirvana? Look, you already fucked this up. Okay, you said something about Courtney Love. You don't think I know who Courtney Love is? Courtney Love Cobain? No, it's fine. You probably do know. I do. Yeah. Kurt, my man. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Because like that is what we're talking is it about sad tonight. And depressing. It's going to be a little bit sad <sighs> and depressing, but we're also going to go into conspiracy corner. Dig do you it. like Nirvana? Love it. How much do you know about Kurt Cobain? He was a really good guy. He once stopped a concert because his lady was being like molested in the in the audience. He like stopped and was like, "Fuck you, bro! Fuck you!" and like pointed him out. Dang, <laughs> he's my hero. Right on. But right I know on. he did drugs. He did do drugs. So there's okay, that. but he's still a cool guy. Okay, because you do drugs doesn't mean you're a bad guy. No, it doesn't. And we are going to, I'm going to tell you about his life. We are going to recap some stuff that you probably already know. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) You can uh, chip in if you know or ask questions if you don't. If I don't know the answer, we're going to find the answer tonight. We're going to kind of recap his life and then we're going to get into the juicy stuff. The juice. I don't know why I called it juicy stuff because like, unless it's tragedy tragedy juice, that's like not the word for it. super goosey. Tragedy juice? Tragedy juice. We're rich with tragedy juice tonight. We have a big cup of tragedy. The glass is full. It's almost a can. It's It's huge. Liquor store tragedy juice. We got a gallon jug of tragedy juice. You can only find it at the liquor store. Yeah. So just be aware that tonight we're going to talk about some tough themes like drugs, chronic pain, and an alleged suicide. So please listen with caution. You already know that we have a gallon of tragedy juice. We already told you about that, but I want you to be aware. It's called Svedka. (laughs) It's called Svedka, which we do also have a gallon of. But uh, not anymore because I drank most of it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. listen with caution tonight. Oh, You know what? But to be honest with you, if you're listening to the podcast, you probably already listen with caution, right? Because we're always talking about awful shit. Horrible. Tonight is the same. (laughs) Um, This episode's coming out on Valentine's Day. Yep. We already said that. Yes. It is Valentine's Day. (laughs) Valentine's Day. Okay. What are you from the future? Kurt Donald Cobain was born on J- nope, February 20th, 1967 to what Donald. What is today? February 12th. That's close. It's what very close. That? It's almost time. When you listen to this, it'll be February 14th. It will be even closer. To Donald and Wendy Cobain in Aberdeen, Washington. They lived in Hoquiam, 
Washington Anna Club. for the first six months of his Anna life. Club. And then they made the big move to Aberdeen. Oh, Wendy was a waitress, one. which uh, sounds the big one. The this big, is a big, the big one. move. Wendy was a waitress, which sounds like a fucking nursery rhyme. Uh, Donald was a mechanic. He was a bye. <laughs> or what's the one other song? Hmm? It's like a John Cougar Mellencamp song. Wendy was a waitress and Donald worked at a Chevron station. He really did work at a Chevron (laughs) station. That's good. He really did. Uh, In 1970, when Kurt was three, his sister Kim was born. Jack and Diane. That's the the one. Uh, Wendy and Donald. Little Diddy. Mountain Jack and Diane. A little Diddy. Is that why I started using that word? In 1970. (laughs) Grown up in Hartley. Having Sorry. babies. In 1972, when Kurt was five, he was enrolled in elementary school, right on track. Pretty typical ideal American family so far. But of mm-hmm. course, they wouldn't be on this podcast if it stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Kurt was always a really... Something happened. Something's going to happen. Kurt was always a really musical kid. His aunt talked about him singing Hey Jude when he was as young as two. And also said that he was just a really charismatic kid from day one. I also found this really sweet anecdote, and I can't help but think that even though little baby Kurt was a hellion, he sounds like a really fun kid. So he loved Evil Knievel. Dope. In third... (laughs) What did you say? Same. Same. I love Evil Knievel. All about it? rocket over a fucking Grand Canyon. Okay. So you're right on the same page. (laughs) I didn't really know what Evil Knievel was. I had to do a little goog. Badass guy. I'm on it now. So in third grade, Kurt went out to the front of his house and he started carrying out all these blankets and pillows oh, and fuck foolish and he made this like little bed like maybe a fort i don't know they were no, just watching just him like pillows on the ground it's nothing that's exactly what it was it was pillows and beds <laughs> on the ground outside it looked like a bed and then he went on top of the house and dived off the roof on his like why yeah why wouldn't you nest he was fine i guess i guess he didn't get hurt he also at one point crafted a metal chest plate with fireworks attached to it and lit it off while strapped to his chest i once i once shot a bottle rocket out of a nerf gun (laughs) yeah that's my it burned me bad did it really sparks hit me in the chest burned us burned a hole in my shirt that is rough evil knievel seems like a bad influence on children i'm just gonna say it horrible i'm just gonna come out and say for safety then (laughs) when kurt was seven he was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that same year his parents also divorced (sighs) that's a rough coral like uh what's the word like sequence of events Mm -hmm. you have adhd Oh, we don't don't love each other anymore. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, A and B happened, and uh, mm. I can't imagine the guilt and the shame that he probably felt. It was also the onset of an early depression. In a 1993 interview, Kurt said that he remembers feeling ashamed. Quote, for some reason, I was ashamed of my parents. I couldn't face some of my friends at school anymore because I desperately wanted to have the classic, typical family. Yeah, it's like the kids at school now are. Oh, right. Like you smell it up Because it's a something. small town, too. Yeah, so, yeah. That sucked. Mother, father, I wanted that security, so I resented my parents for quite a few years because of that. End quote. Kurt lived with his mother after the divorce. When Kurt was 14, his uncle offered to buy him either a bike or a guitar, and Kurt chose a guitar. So his uncle went to some, like, music emporium and bought him a bargain cheapy guitar. Kurt lived there for a year. He loved his guitar. He played it the whole time. But after a year of living with his mother, he was sent to live with his dad. And I'm not 100% sure of the circumstances surrounding that. 
Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Hey, Dad. Hey, now. Hey, Dad. He was sent to Montesano, Washington, yeah, to his Montesano's dad's house. probably the where it happens. Popping there. It's popping. Definitely, with a name like that. And he had to transfer schools, which implies to me that it happened mid-year, which is serious shit. I've had to do that so many times in I've my high school that, career. But I know that if I would have, like, I would have been the shit at a different high school. Uh, if I would have transferred to Pueblo my senior year. I don't know. I'd be an all-star. Just kidding. Um, I honestly don't care. Football, or uh, not football, but high school, trash. It was trash. Such a minuscule. And I always hated this one teacher. He was all like, enjoy the moment. Because this is literally like this much of your life. No, but it was the like worst this. part of my and life. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're a fucking asshole. You're a math teacher here, bro. I moved every single year. I transferred schools every nice. single year to 11th grade. That's why you grade. were so punk rock. You want to be my friend? <laughs> but anyway, it sucks moving. And then also the fact that his sister and him were separated during the <gasps> divorce. Tragedy. It is sad. That's I rough. lived apart from my brother and sister, and it is weird because when you're growing up without them, you don't learn to interact with them like they're your brother and sister. You learn to interact with them like they're your friend. Mm-hmm. So, like, my brother and sister have this bond that I love, and I'm never upset about it. Like, I want that Good for jokes. them. But I remember times when I was a kid where I acted shitty and awkward, and it was because I just didn't know how to, like, exist with a brother and sister. So I get that. That's fucking awkward. It's like a chaotic way to grow up, and then on top of that, he has to transfer school as mid-year. So... Anyway, he goes, he lives with his dad. Kurt was not a sports, he was not a, oh, wow. 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 He was not a sports kid, and neither am I, clearly, because I just dropped my lighter twice, but Donald sure as fuck was, and he really wanted Kurt to be. So, Kurt joined the junior high wrestling team. He was good at it, but he hated the fuck out of it. So, Donald decided. one do. Yeah. (laughs) Donald decided that Kurt should play baseball instead, but. Kurt was not a fucking idiot, and since he didn't want to play the sport, and this one gave him an out, he just decided to strike out, and then he wouldn't have to play. So that's what he did. He's the fucker in the field picking grass. Yeah, he's just doing whatever. He's eating bugs. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a sports kid, but he was an artistic kid. He doodled during class, and he had a weird obsession with drawing fetuses and anatomy, which so did I at that age. So I understand. No, that's weird. It is weird. <laughs> that's you know what, what happens. I, drew? I just kept signing my name over and over again. Like I, I did that too. <laughs> I did that too. I gotta know how to do this. I literally one time had a notebook that had like 50 pages and I practiced on all of them because yeah. I wanted to remember, like, practice sig- signaturing 50 times for when I was yeah, famous. For when I was famous. Yeah. So in the corner, it just had my name signed on every single page. Real world. It's clearly happening. <laughs> if you want my autograph, Ooh. I guess. <laughs> Please hit me up. I'll send it. To, I'll pay for postage. <laughs> I'll pay you to take it. I'll pay you to take it. I'll pay you to ask me for you. it publicly on an Instagram yeah. post. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You want a collab? Hell, yeah. <laughs> I love you. Uh. So after a few years of Kurt growing more and more rebellious, his dad became over his dad became overwhelmed, and Kurt began the painful process of being shuffled around. He was sent to different aunts and uncles, grandparents, cousins, Look, and you're even gonna friends. go live with your aunt for a while. It's gonna be better for you. But I literally went through this whole thing. I did this exact thing. It's so chaotic, especially we were like fifteen. That's a while. That's a weird time. It's awful. Things are happening. A lot of Little things are things. happening. Your fucking body hurts because you're you just yeah. grew like six inches yeah. out of nowhere. Your tits are giant now. <laughs> you're sweaty. 
all the time. It's sweaty. <laughs> I just don't know. Got hair in weird places. I have hair pimples. on my arms. What are pimples? What's going on? Huh. My haircut sucks no matter what haircut I yeah. get. Anyway. Diet blonde, mom. Oh, my God. Just on the top. Please, though. God, please, just on the top. Kurt was a small preteen and a small teenager, and he was friends with gay students, which led to him being bullied a lot. A lot of people thought that Kurt was gay, and there was a lot of homophobes, so they were very As, fucking mean yeah. about it. Yeah, right? Especially back in the 90s. 80s. 80s, 90s yeah. yeah. Truthfully, Kurt wasn't sure if he was gay. In interviews, he described his spirit as gay later on in life, but he said himself he was probably bisexual. One thing he was sure of, his home life was fucking chaotic. Kurt was trying to find escape. He was going to punk shows in Seattle. Dope. He really liked this group, the Melvins. Have you ever heard of them? Uh-huh. Me neither, but we should listen to this song right now together for the first time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the fucking Melvins. What do you think? The song we listen to. Oh, not to. bad. Not bad? Not bad. I feel like I've been to that show. It's like the headliner for another better show. Right. <laughs> we have been like to that the first show. one. <laughs> it's um, like the first one that's okay. But I could. The second s- one's a little better. I could see how that. Music would have an influence on Nirvana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I could hear that there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, their music is said to have heavily influenced Nirvana, as a matter of fact. And Kurt, Kurt was super fucking into them. I think he was actually their roadie for a while, so he would carry around their gear. And he actually made friends with the musicians. Dope. Yeah, really cool. Then he became more famous than them. <laughs> <laughs> Irony. Um, they're, yep, yep, yep. Okay, so Kurt was a pretty heavy pot smoker by the time he started high school. In the middle of 10th grade, Kurt was sent back to live with his mother in Aberdeen. And as he was going through his teenage years, he said to have he said that he had tried every drug except for PCP. Kurt was still going to the Melvin show and (laughs) a little bit like our friend Thad. Love Thad. Kurt was still going to the Melvin show every time every chance he got, even a year later, and while there he saw a familiar face. It was his friend, Chris Novoselec. Novos. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was not right. Chris. 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 Oh, Chris. Chris Novoselec. Novoselec? Nope. Novoselec. It's N-O-V-O-S-E-L-I-C. Novoselec? Novoselec. Novoselec. We're just going to call him Chris from now on. Yeah, what up, Chris? He went to high school with Chris, actually, as a matter of fact, but he didn't know that Chris also loved punk rock. So from there, they made a pretty strong bond. And Chris had a mom who owned a hair salon who had a space above the hair salon where they could practice sometimes. Hard. Amazing. So Kurt. Not for the nail salon people, though. (laughs) (laughs) They're probably all like. Oh, this is terrible. I'm never That's my son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she made them practice when there was nobody there. I, <laughs> I hope. hope so. I hope. God. Yeah. Kurt pretty much harassed Chris until he came into a band with him. He was like, hey. Yeah, let's be a band. Do the band. Band. Let's be in a band. And then eventually Chris was like, okay, fine. And then they did. They made a little band. It was Chris, Kurt, and they had a couple of different drummers. I would say rotation of drummers. And they called their band. Nirvana. Dope. Maybe you've heard of it before. First time. First time. Two weeks before graduation, Kurt found out that he was two credits short of graduating, so he dropped the fuck out. A week later. All right, cool. All right, that's fine. I would have been like, whose dick do I have to suck to get two credits? It's two credits. You know, I'll pl- I will. I had stack to do summer school because I. Chairs. Oh, no. I, I would have been, been more like, yo, 
What do you need me to do? I'll do anything. That's terrible. He's not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So, Kurt dropped the fuck out. His mom said that he either had to get a job or get the fuck out of her house. All right. Reasonable. I that feel like that, too. Thing. Yeah. And she was like, you got to be going to school. You got to be working. Or you can't live here. Well, Kurt, apparently, I don't know. I don't know if it was just. He was like, fuck you, mom. I don't know if it was like that or if it was just not a long enough deadline. But a week later, she had boxed, boxed up all his shit and made him Damn. leave the Hardcore fucking house. Betty. Yeah. Wendy. Wendy. So Kurt started hanging out with his friends, crashing on couches, and sometimes squatting in his mom's basement if he could sneak in. If he could find nowhere else to stay, he would sleep in the waiting room of the hospital. You may have heard claims by Kurt that he slept under this specific bridge, but if you actually look at the bridge... It's impossible. Yeah. Unless he was... Sleeping in the mud? Or under the rafters... No, no, it, there's no pavement. Well, yeah, but like under... He climbed up yeah, and slept in the support beams. That would have been the only way. Either that or he slept in the mud and yeah, the water. Well, I would do that. I mean, I hope. I Had hope. some wood. But Build he did, tree house, did he? for sure sleep in the hospital waiting room sometimes. So we know that for sure. Kurt worked some odd jobs and he eventually saved up enough for an apartment when he was 18 in June of 1985. He went around town spray painting for fun, though, and he had some gems like God is Gay and Oral Sex Rules. He did get arrested in 1985. That specific time, though, he spray painted Ain't Got No How Whatchamacallit, which is on the police record. (laughs) Imagine getting a criminal record over that. Ain't Got No Whatchamacallit. He was arrested again in May of 1986 for trespassing when he snuck onto a roof of an abandoned building. And in September of 1986, Kurt got a job as a janitor. This offered some security to him. He was able to save up, do his shit, right, get a house. Kurt had a long Whoa. Kurt had a long-standing relationship with his drug dealer at this point because he was thoroughly hooked onto an opiate painkiller, and that same drug dealer was the first person to introduce him to heroin. When the dealer first sold Kurt heroin, it was like a light bulb moment for Kurt. He just loved it. Bad. Very bad. In 1987, Chris and Kurt moved in together in a house in Olympia, Washington. Nirvana had cycled through a shitload of different drummers. They recorded their first album with drummer Chad Channing in 1989. But eventually, Kurt started to hate the way he drummed. So he was fired and they it's brought... The heroin. <laughs> it's the heroin. He's just going through things. Dave Grohl was brought it's on. You, it's me. It's me. It's the heroin. Just you don't sound good. But I love Dave Grohl though. So Dave Grohl was brought on in 1991. In 1991, their album Nevermind came out, and it was a huge hit. This has some songs like "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I mean, some other shit that's really well known. I can't even think of anything, but literally all of the well-known Nirvana songs. All of them. Fucking all of them, dude. I'm not even gonna lie to you. He, Kurt, actually did not like the success that he found through Nirvana. He was now famous. MTV wanted him. People were reaching out to him. He actually did not enjoy it. He felt like a lot of people were missing the point of his music. We already know a lot about Kurt's battle with depression. Like I said, it kind of started for him really young. And from there, it only got worse. And you know that once you use hard drugs, it does fuck with the chemistry of your brain. Not even hard drugs. If you smoke weed and you have fucking depression. Wow, the cats are fucking frisky. I love hearts. 
and you aren't taking medication or making any measures against that, it could make it worse, especially if you're drinking all the time and using heroin. So Kurt's battle with depression <laughs> was uh, really difficult for him. <laughs> but I forgot to mention that he also battled with chronic pain. I mean, I'm sorry, chronic bronchitis. At this point, though, he developed a new ailment, which was mysterious, debilitating stomach pain. From heroin. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe from childhood scoliosis. Honestly, no doctors were able to, able to tell. He just wouldn't tell him he was doing heroin. Like, I don't know where it's coming from. I am the pinnacle of health. I, I go for a jog. It. I eat apples. You're supposed to be away from me away. now. It physically hurt all the time, but also the mental and emotional pain of his body betraying him, not being able to get help from doctors. I can't imagine. So... Kurt got a PhD in self-medication and just depended on heroin to dull the pain. Heroin use got so bad with Kurt that he would actually doze off during photo shoots. And also mo money. So mo drugs. So mo yep. problems. Yep. He actually mo was... Huh? Mo bitches. Mo bitches. He was quoted as saying, like, what are they going to do, fire me? And <laughs> I mean, no, True. they're not. <laughs> they're not Kurt buddy. could now afford all the drugs he wanted. In May of 1991, Kurt went to a butthole surfers concert in L.A. And he I was do know the butthole surfers. <laughs> Yay! And he was introduced to Courtney Love. Bitch. They had sort of run into each other a few times before, but this time was different because they were formally introduced, and Dave Grohl told Courtney that Kurt had a crush on her Yo. and vice versa. Kurt's got a huge cock. Courtney. Giant penis. That's Now you should, you should talk. Kurt and Courtney, they were so fucking into it. They were smitten. Courtney was sort of the pursuer in the relationship. Oh my God, are you I just love you. Babe. I love you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> they were sort of on and off for a bit, but in the fall, they really fell in love. And they also fell into a horrible pattern of mutual drug abuse together. Kurt performed on SNL in 19... 19- huh? The drugs together. Uh, Hugs uh, together? Uh, oh. Crud. Uh, in 1992, Nirvana performed on Saturday Night Live. And that was while only on... one year? Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and while on stage, yep. while Kurt was on stage performing, Kurt, Courtney found out that she was pregnant. I'm pregnant! Kurt overdosed again later that night. Kurt and Courtney married on February 24th. Wait, so he was cool? He was good? He was fine. Yeah, he didn't die. Oh. He just overdosed. He should have died. Didn't die. Sometimes that happens. No big deal. It's fine. Write it off. Should have choked to death on his vomit, but didn't because God was with him, I guess. (laughs) Rolled over at the right time. I suppose. Uh, Kurt and Courtney got married on February 24th, 1992. Kurt tried to get clean and even seemed to be kicking heroin when Nirvana went on a world tour in Australia. But when he returned to the United States, he clearly returned to heroin as well. Australia was so dry, I knew no one... Give me some heroin. He looked like shit. He was all pale and shaky. Like he was clearly like withdrawal. Yeah. In April of 1992, the couple appeared together in a teen magazine called Sassy. We love it. Quote, in the last couple months, I've gotten engaged and my attitude has changed drastically. Kurt said, I can't believe how much happier I am. At times, I even forget that I'm in a band because I'm so blinded by love. I know it sounds embarrassing, but it's true. I could give up on the band right now. It doesn't matter, but I'm under contract, end quote. Wow, sassy. Mm-hmm. They also appeared in Vanity Fair while Courtney was pregnant, and she revealed that they were doing heroin together throughout the pregnancy and going on what? binges. Neither Love? 
Courtney Love, yeah. And Kurt Cobain. Neither of them could figure out why everyone was so upset. The backlash was huge. While you're pregnant. Uh, Francis was... Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) Francis Bean Cobain was born on August 18th of 1992, and Los Angeles Child Protective Services took her away. (laughs) She was placed with Courtney's sister for weeks. There was a huge legal battle. Courtney and Kurt both had to go and prove they were sober, have frequent visits from CPS, all this shit. Finally, after months, they were granted custody of their daughter, Frances, again. Courtney was not popular, especially with Nirvana fans. She was often compared to the Yoko Ono of Grudge. Yeah. <laughs> we hate her. We hate her. Because <laughs> she's a girl. Vanity Fair. No, I actually don't feel that way about. I feel that way about Yoko, but I don't feel that way about Courtney Love. Yeah, I feel like she's actually trash. Like, Courtney was trash. If people don't like her, it's for a good reason. Yeah. Yoko, I mean, she was just fucking dumb and annoying, but people just hated oh her. Oh, my God. She was, yeah. yeah. She just wanted to go on BBC and go, ah, and then they cut her mic. It was great. Wow. There's a whole video of it. It's That's great. It's awesome. Vanity Fair asked, uh, okay, yes, during this interview, Vanity Fair asked Courtney Love if they were the John and Yoko or the Sid and Nancy. Hard. Hard. Sid and Yoko. Actually, Courtney Love auditioned for Nancy in the Sid and Nancy movie, but she didn't get it. So that's kind of funny. And that comparison would age like milk when you consider how dark things are at this point and that they're only going to get darker from here. There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation that Kurt was writing Courtney's music for her for her band Hole, but it's hard to prove. In July of 1993, Nirvana was the main event at a new music seminar at New Music Seminar in New York City. I'm just going to play you the performance really quick. And we will see, kind of, we'll get your take on it after. Because we're good now, right? Yep. Okay, so, Jake, listening to that performance, what do you think? Give me a huge erection for concerts. Yeah? I want to go to a concert right now. I'll wear a mask. I'll wear a fucking bubble. I'll wear a hazmat suit. You think they... I I don't... Oh, wait, there I am. Hold on one second. Do you think that they sounded good? You Uh, think Kurt sounded good? Yes. Amazing, right? Amazing. Pretty good. Okay. So it's we're going to have that linked in the show notes. So if you guys want to check it out, I don't really want to violate any copyright laws because honestly, no, the I'm proceeds good. go to his daughter at this point and I feel like she deserves it. So I don't want to do anything wrong. I'm not going to repost the video, but if you guys want to check it out, you should check out the link in our show notes. Um, the thing was that I... a good video or was I... It's a great video. Oh, yeah, that was the point. I wanted to show it to you because a few hours before... Or an hour before, Kurt overdosed and had to be revived with Narcan. Courtney didn't even call an ambulance. She just injected him with some Narcan that she illegally obtained. And he came back out of his comatose state and went on and gave that fucking performance and smashed it. That was pretty good, yeah. Incredible. Well, it's because he was sober as fuck. Yeah, right. From being on Narcan, he had adrenaline. Most person ever. I think that, it has adrenaline concert. in it. You're probably right. Yeah, at that concert, he was the most sober he's ever been in. Years. So Nirvana continued to rock around the whole fucking earth. They went on tour to Europe in '94, and while on tour in March, he was diagnosed with bronchitis and severe laryngitis, which is a long-term problem that he had. The next day, he had to fly to Rome for treatment, and Courtney joined him there on the third. When she got there, she immediately went to a pharmacy to get a prescription filled for Rohypnol. Heroin. Oh, Rohypnol. The next morning, Courtney found Kurt overdosed on a combo of Rohypnol and champagne. Damn. What's was, Rohypnol? Is that roofies? Okay, 
That's roofies. Yeah. Why would you have yeah. a prescription for that? I thought you would know, so I didn't look it up. I, I was like, oh, Jake will know. Why Rohypnol prescription? Yeah, because she apparently had a prescription for it that she could get. For not sleeping? I don't know. I just don't know. It's not legal in the U.S., so that's the first thing. It's it's prescribed in some countries for people who have medical illnesses like insomnia. Yeah, sleeping. According to Michaelshouse.com. So, yeah, you're right. Apparently, she was able to go to Rome and just pick that up right the fuck away. And the next day... He was found overdosed on Rohypnol and champagne. I'll never drink champagne again. <laughs> <laughs> he was rushed to the hospital and he was unconscious. I used all the Narcan. Ah, I got high on right? it too. I, need <laughs> I was doing it, man. <laughs> After five days, Kurt was released from the hospital and he went back to Seattle. Damn, Court- buddy. Just <sighs> ease up. Yeah. Ease up. Time to, to make a break. That was like twice. Very back to back. Back to back. Courtney was very open and insistent publicly that this was Kurt's first suicide attempt. March 18th when of 19- he went back to Seattle or the overdose. The overdose in okay. Rome. March 18th <laughs> in Rome, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. March 18th of 1994, Courtney called 911 and said that Kurt was suicidal and locked in his room with a gun. Police arrived and they did confiscate a gun and they also took a pill bottle away from Kurt. Kurt was like, "What? I'm not fucking hiding." For, I'm, I'm not suicidal. I was in here yeah, hiding that, from Courtney because she's being fucking crazy. jerking off when this, you walked in on me. This gun is just here because it's always here. The pill bottles are here because I was doing the fucking pills. I wasn't I trying to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, I just do pills. I was hiding from Courtney because she's acting crazy. I'm not suicidal. He said that? Yes. So Courtney was questioned by the police and she admitted that he didn't have his gun in his hand when she called and he was also not threatening to commit suicide. Bitch. Right. So Kurt and Courtney were kind of becoming more like Sid and Nancy and less like John and Yoko Bitch. at this point. They weren't getting along. Perhaps they were scorned by the ban- Vanity Fair incident because they started to keep their affairs very private. So we don't know. Well, yeah, bitch. It's Vanity Fair. What do you expect? Right. So then the was backlash. Some trash rag magazine <laughs> yeah. time or something? Right. And the, the backlash from that was huge. So they were very private about their life at this yes, point. Yes. You're doing heroin while pregnant. Bad. That is bad. Who... Should have told so you that. we don't know the details of the beginning of their downfall as a couple, but we do know that this was around the time that Courtney asked her entertainment lawyer to find her the meanest, nastiest divorce attorney. Whoa! March twenty fifth of nineteen ninety. Yeah, March. Yo, I want the fucking meanest, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I want the guy that helped him with his divorce. I want mm-hmm. him. I want him. <laughs> March 25th of 1994 Courtney had an intervention for Kurt she invited okay. all of his friends Kurt was upset he felt like he was not being self-destructive in his habit he was actually very adamant yeah, when I say self-destructive I say self-destructive yeah he was like I'm not trying to kill myself I'm not even doing enough to die like I, I overdosed once that was a freak thing the other time was an accident I like I'd Still never tr- I never, you know, like, I'm good, but I'll go. I'll go, I guess. I've learned how to dose it now, so I'm we good. Get it. It's fine. I'm still going to do the heroin, but I'm not doing it today. But anyway, Kurt did. It <laughs> he did go to detox. He arrived at Exodus Recovery Center in Los Angeles on March 30th. Dope name. <laughs> it is cool. April 1st, Francis was brought for a visit. For a visit. Visit. A visit. That night, Kurt said he was going out for a cigarette, and while outside, he climbed a six-foot wall and ran away. Caught a flight back to Seattle. <laughs> 
punk Bye. rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking out. <laughs> right, goodbye. He was all like. <laughs> so Kurt got to Seattle. He went to Washington Lake. He stopped by his house. He talked with his uh, nanny, Michael DeWitt, who lived there in the house. Kurt was spotted a few times. Michael's or- like just like having like some weird orgy in the pool and he's like this is fine oh kurt hey you're home home. how are you doing uh this don't look at the cocaine (laughs) don't worry about that kurt was seen around town a few times but neither family or friends knew knew exactly where he was on april 3rd courtney hired a private investigator named named tom grant to find kurt i picture him doing like psychedelics with his big white glasses yeah furry jacket just like yes. all over california seattle seattle yeah. washington Same area place. he's probably, just wandering probably got around. To california one too. he might have the next day on the fourth she impersonated kurt's mom to file a missing persons report and again lied about him being suicidal and having a shotgun April 8th, 1994, Kurt was found in the spare room above his garage at his Lake Washington home by an employee of the electric company who was hired to come and install some lights. In the attic? In the, it's like a, so they called it the green room. It's this room above a garage. It has big sun, uh, like sun windows. Yeah. It's like a spare room. I imagine he would go and stay there when he was fucking sick of everybody, right? Yeah. So that's where they found him. Somebody was scheduled to come out there and install some lights. And this guy comes in. I actually need my phone to show you some pictures. But this guy comes in and he sees Kurt and he's lying. Kurt is lying down. And he. Are you Kurt Cobain? Huh? Are you Kurt Cobain? Are you Kurt Cobain? Kurt seemed really sleepy though, right? He was not talking. Um, This is the house. Or the, the green room or whatever. The room above the garage. Sick. Yeah. So um, the electrician, he comes in there and Kurt Cobain, he's lying down and he's got like a shotgun across his chest, but he's just limp and his head's off to his side. And the electrician thinks he's sleeping. What? But then he's in there for a little bit and he notices that Kurt has a little bit of blood like around his ear. Uh, So at first he didn't notice anything really funny. He just... Like I said, he just thought Kurt was sleeping, but then he noticed that there was a note, like a piece of paper with a pen stabbed through it by an overturned flower pot. So I also have a picture of that. What? This is the note. It's actually a Polaroid, so it looks really cool, but there's the note with a pen stabbed through it in the flower bed thing. Hard. Pretty. Ow, fuck. <laughs> um, so, yes, there was also a wallet at his side there was a cigar box which was revealed to be heroin his drug kit yeah and here's a picture of his heroin kit if you want to see it they did do an autopsy and they found that kurt had well they officially ruled that kurt had died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound and he died on april 5th 1994 so he had sat there for three days uh, apparently according to the official report so far what do you think about the circumstances pretty normal you think that's all checking out so far so far yeah okay yep so let's close i could i could buy it okay i could buy it all right here's his um who scheduled the light inspection 
Uh, I it wasn't suspicious. Oh, it was already scheduled. Oh, yeah, okay. before anything weird happened. So there's like the stuff they found next to him. There's like his cigarettes, his his shit, pretty much like the stuff you would have on you, right? <laughs> American spirits. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of. And if you notice that the the pictures like all fucked up color wise, it's because those pictures actually sat undeveloped for years. What do you think so? F- oh yeah, you said you Check okay. It, we, it it is smoke break time. We're halfway through. If you want to take a smoke nope, break, keep going. okay. So that's the story, short and tumultuous story of legendary rock star Kurt Cobain. Officially, with the evidence you have now, Jake, you say you buy it. Overdosed. That this is like Smarter a suicide. suicide yep. He like shot himself after doing heroin. Yeah, but it's a shotgun. Uh-huh. Was his face missing? Part of his head missing? We'll talk about it. See, that's the thing with a shotgun. We'll talk about it's it. It's going to blast your entire face wide open. So, we I mean, talk about it. that's a little suspicious there. It's very suspicious. So, yeah. uh, like if I was the electrician, I'd be like, holy fuck, that guy's missing half of his fucking head. No, the guy wasn't. All he had was a little blood coming out of his ear. Okay, so I'm going to read you the note that was left in <laughs> the, the green. The bitch is just like, ah, well, uh, he looks like... He- a little bit of shotgun here. Oh, shotgun. <laughs> if I put the shotgun here, it definitely it's fine. <laughs> so I'm going to read you the note that was left in the greenhouse that day. The one with the pen stabbed through it. If you don't want to hear it, you can skip. I'll let you know when it. it's done. It okay. So I'm going to read you it verbatim. Tabata. To bada. Those are two separate words. To bada. Speaking from the tongue of an experienced simpleton who obviously would rather be emasculated, <laughs> infantile complainy, this note should be pretty ind pretty easy to understand all the warnings from punk rock 101 courses over the years since my first introduction to the shall we say ethics involved with independence and the embracement of your community has proven to be very true i haven't felt the excitement of listening to as well as creating music along with reading and writing for too many years now i feel guilty beyond words about these things For example, when we're backstage and the lights go out and the manic roar of the crowd begins, it doesn't affect me in the way it did for Freddie Mercury, who seemed to love, relish in the love and adoration from the crowd, which is something I totally admire and envy. The fact is, I can't fool you, any one of you. It simply isn't fair to you or me. The worst crime I could think of would be to rip people off by faking it and pretending as if I'm having 100% fun. Sometimes I feel as if I should have a punch-in time clock before I walk out on stage. I tried everything within my power to appreciate it, and I do, God, believe me, I do, but it's not enough. I appreciate the fact that I and we have affected and entertained a lot of people. It must be one of those narcissists, I must be one of those narcissists who only appreciate things when they're gone. I'm too sensitive. I need to be... I need to be slightly numbed in order to regain the enthusiasm I had as a child. On our last three tours, I've had a much better appreciation for all the people I've known personally, and as a fan of our music, I still can't get over the frustration, the guilt, and empathy I have for everyone. There's good in all of us, and I think I simply love people too much, so much that it makes me feel sad. That sad, little, sensitive, unappreciative Pisces Jesus man. Why don't you just enjoy it? I don't know. I have a goddess of a wife who sweats ambition and empathy and a daughter who... Okay, relax. It is definitely not written by him. And a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be, full of love of a wife. and joy, kissing every person she meets because everyone is good and will do her no harm. And that terrifies me to the point where I can barely function. 
I can't stand the thought. This is a long letter. This is one. We're one, almost done. One notebook. Page, one page. Yeah. And a half. No, just on one. The back. <laughs> this is a lot. Like I feel like this is like two pages already. I can't stand the thought of Francis becoming the miserable, self-destructive death rocker that I've become. I have it good, very good, and I'm grateful. But since the age of seven, I've become hateful towards all humans in general. Damn, it does sound like Courtney Cox or Courtney Love wrote this because this is what he told what he told her. Only because it seems so easy for people to get along and have empathy. Only because I love and feel sorry for people too much, I guess. Thank you from the pit of my burning, nauseous stomach for your letters and concern during the past years. I am too much of an erratic, moody baby. He, d- he don't care about that. I ha- don't have the passion anymore, and so remember, it's better to burn out than fade away. Peace, love, empathy, Kurt Cobain. That's not true. I feel like he would have been like, and wait, you, Courtney. It goes on to say, Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going, Courtney, for Francis, for her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. JK. <laughs> so that's allegedly a suicide note. That Better to Burn Out Than Fade Away is from a Neil Young song. He did mention Freddie Mercury bit. Um, Badoot or whatever. What was it? What was the name at the beginning? Boda. 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 That's... Kurt Cobain's childhood imaginary friend. So, right, so uh, this note that's supposedly a suicide note was not addressed to his wife and kids. Um, that's what makes me think like I would also like to p- know about Buddha. I would also like to point out that he never mentioned suicide. In fact, in my opinion, until the very last paragraph where he started talking about I'll be at your altar, Francis. It very much to me sounded like a resignation letter. It sounded to me like he was announcing that he was done with music. I agree that there were some parts that are very sad and, and very much hit home for me as well. But um, he's talking about, hold on, let me point out the parts to me that really stand out. So he's talking about when we're backstage and the lights go on, he doesn't relish it like Freddie Mercury was. He doesn't want to rip people off by faking it and pretending like he's having fun. He thinks he should have a punch in time clock before he walks out on stage. So he doesn't talk about life, though. He doesn't mention anything about life. He's talking about stage. He's talking about performance. He says he doesn't have the enthusiasm he once had as a child and he needs to be numb to regain that. Um, So I think that's a thing. I think he also mentions that over his last tours, he can't get over the frustration and the guilt that he has that he doesn't feel that way. The thing about his wife, I mean, her ambition and empathy was towards the music industry because she did have her own music career. And I just think it's really interesting that she, he never mentions that he wants to die. To me, this whole thing sounds like he's writing a journal entry to his imaginary friend because he knows that's who he can come to. And it's basically his resignation letter, his, his deep, dark confessions that he doesn't like this life and this life isn't for him. But I don't think he means this life like his life. I think he means this life like this Freddie Mercury type of life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel? Well, I mean, I didn't see it like that at first, but now I can see it like that. Okay. So I would also like to show you the handwriting because something else that's really interesting is those last l- few lines that I mentioned. Oh, I have this on my phone. Those last few lines that I mentioned are also written completely differently than the rest of the letter. So it. Well, take a look first and tell me if I'm tripping. 
Okay. So you can see the part that says, please keep going, Courtney. Francis, I'll be at your altar all the way at the bottom. Like, look. like a fucking four-year-old wrote it. Right? So from here to here, this all looks fine. But uh, I think also look at those S's because at the bottom, the S's. Do not look at the S. and the, They don't look like the S's on the top. The S's on the top are completely different. I think that person clearly was trying to imitate that big S at the beginning of the letter um, and and carried that same kind of line on the top of the S through the whole thing when that's not how that person writes their S's except for in that one spot in the whole letter. Oh, so much. Did his fucking daughter write it? I know, and the smiley face also really throws me the fuck off. I don't really want to post that on Instagram but you guys can Google it and find it. I just don't want to be disrespectful. Google it easily. <laughs> just Google it if you really want to see it. But uh, okay, so that's the things I wanted to point out. It doesn't look like he wrote that part at the end. He never mentions suicide. And honestly, except for that part at the end that is questionable, it doesn't sound like a suicide letter. Sounds like he was writing his feelings, his feelings and a resignation. Yeah. Bitch walked in on it. Yeah. And was like, <laughs> you think you're gonna quit? You're gonna quit me? You're gonna quit the music club? <laughs> okay, but it's also not just my opinion, and it's not just your opinion because Kurt's lawyer, Rosemary Carroll, was featured in tapes in a documentary called "Love and Death: The Murder of Kurt Cobain," and she said that she believes the notes were forged or maybe traced. So she thinks the entire note was a scam. Tom Grant, the investigator that Courtney hired, believes that this note was actually a journal entry or a letter that Kurt had written, and Kurt, Courtney faked the little bottom piece. Mm-hmm. Um, also, me and... Yep, uh-huh, yep. Okay, great. You guys can find pictures if you want. I don't want to post pictures of that on Instagram. Uh, so, also the fact that... The official report does say that Kurt wrote this letter, but Tom Grant hired a handwriting expert to look at it, multiple handwriting experts to look at it, and they supported his theory that Kurt didn't actually write it. Dateline did an independent investigation on the same thing, and they sent the handwriting to four different experts. One came back saying it was Kurt's handwriting, and the other three said it definitely was not. It's a good ratio. Right? Another note on the note, there was a second note. Huh. Right. Two notes? Well, the cops didn't know about the second note. As a matter of fact, nobody knew about the second note. The only one who did was Courtney Love and eventually Rolling Stone when she accidentally let it slip in an interview that there was a second note. What's the second note? So I will read it to you and I will also show you a picture of it. Uh, It's kind of cut off but because it's just a photocopy. But the note says... Um, oh shit, let me get it open on my side. It says, Do you, Kurt Cobain, take Courtney Michelle Love to be your lawfully shredded wife, even when she's a bitch with zits and siphoning all your money for doping and whoring? It goes on to say, <laughs> Promise to fuck her once a week, okay? Does that sound like it? Sounds like more like Kurt. Yeah, right. (laughs) What you'd expect. Yeah, and that sounds like a note written from somebody who's going to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. So the thing is, like, how did she even get the note? I, I just don't understand. More sauce surrounding this note. Courtney was desperate when it leaked online to claim that she was the one who wrote it. But if you actually looked at it. If you closely examine the A's in the letter and the A's in the top portion of Kurt's alleged suicide note, it's a perfect match. 
It does not match the bottom portion where the A's have that funny gap and the S's don't look the same. But I would like to point out that whoever wrote, um, I'm not even sure really how she got it. But uh, in my opinion, it's a perfect match. Whoever wrote the first portion of the Kurt Cobain alleged suicide note clearly wrote this note as well. Uh, So if Courtney's claiming that she wrote it, then she wrote the entire fucking suicide note. Uh, and otherwise, she didn't write either of them. That's how I feel. Got him. You guys can Lawyer. see those pictures if you'd like. So this could be pre- prefaced with allegedly, but I'm just going to say it. Clearly, Kurt was cruising for a divorce. Courtney and Kurt had signed a prenup before they got married so that it was clear if they got divorced, Courtney would be left with nothing or at least nothing more than what she entered the marriage with. You might be saying, but Haley... What about Courtney Love's hit band Hole and their hit <laughs> album Live Through This, which uh, was relax. released in 1994? Not... Wasn't that said to be a huge hit? Very profitable? Yes, Jake, it was a hit. It wasn't. It had a, hey, so glad you could make it. Uh, Doll Parts Never also was it. on that. Okay, well, some people have heard that song before. But yeah, you know what I would say to those people? It was kind of a hit. She did make a lot of money. And you know what else? Remember how I mentioned earlier that Kurt was writing songs for Courtney? I mean, like, he was writing songs on her behalf. For whole. Not for Courtney in a love way, but for whole, for Courtney's profit. Rumors still hang in the air to this day that he wrote most of the songs on Live Through This. Rumors How did shm- prove that, though? Right, rumors schmoomers. Exactly what I was about to say. But then they are more than rumors because on a rough mix of the whole song asking for it, Kurt is singing the backing vocals. There's another song called, okay, if that's not enough for you, you could say, eh, maybe he just wanted to be involved, right? Okay, fine. Another song called Old Age was on that same album. It was credited to entirely to Hole and Courtney Love, but it was actually written by Kurt himself. Old Age was actually a Nirvana song that was recorded in 1991, but did not make the cut for Nevermind because Kurt hadn't fixed the last verse. He wasn't super confident in it. It wasn't finished, and he decided to just skip it. But you can actually hear the incomplete version on an album called With the Lights Out. And it has proper credits to Kurt Cobain. So for ah. a long time, that was credited as a Courtney Love song. But actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. The whole time. We got you. Which I think lends. We got you. We got you. And we got I, you, bitch. I think that lends credibility to the theory that a lot of songs on that album could have been made by Kurt. So when Kurt died, Courtney inherited his publishing and writing rights. Do you want to take a guess at how much that was worth? Billions. $130 million, which is $229 million in today's money. She also got his guitars, clothes, notes, and other stuff worth over $120 million, which is another $229 million in today's money. Because of the prenup they signed, she probably wouldn't have got anything if they went through a divorce. So yeah, she did have that new album dropping, and who knows if the legal battle over the song lyrics would have went anywhere, or how big of a shit Kurt could have taken on her career by coming forward and saying he did write the whole damn album. Besides the fact, by Kurt committing suicide, she came out a fucking multimillionaire, and that's money she would have never gotten if Kurt was still alive and went through with the divorce. That's the biggest motive of all. No shit, right? $200 million? Yep. Speaking of money, one of Kurt's credit cards was missing when his body was found. The credit card was actually used for three days until Kurt's body was discovered. 
I couldn't find any purchase records or anything, but the implication is clear. Somebody was there, took the card, and then was close enough to know when the body was found. They knew when to stop using it. The shotgun that Kurt had, he had owned for a while. Some media outlets speculated that he had bought it after he left rehab to kill himself specifically, but that's actually not true. Kurt was reportedly terrified, super paranoid about himself getting hurt, having a home invasion, (laughs) getting murdered uh, otherwise. Did they find a white lighter on him? Uh, Yeah, the lighter, yeah, was white. That's my favorite theory. The 27 Club thing? The white white lighter killer. Oh, never heard of that. Are you serious? I thought it was the 27 Club. Bunch, bunch of famous famous people had a lighter with them, white lighter on them. I've ne- well, I've heard that's that because that's the Twenty Seven Club. Oh, wait, maybe that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, I've never heard of What's it being a killer. Club? It's just a bunch of people that died at Twenty Seven with a light lighter in their pocket, like we thought: Robert Johnson, Kurt Cobain, oh, Amy Kurt Winehouse, Cobain. like all those people. Juice World, Jim Modis, Jim Morrison. No, he was twenty one. Juice World was? Yeah. Wait, no, I'm not thinking of Juice World. I'm thinking of someone else. Tons of people. But uh, anyway, some, uh, yep, but that's actually not true. Kurt was, yep, mm -hmm, yep. The other thing is that the shotgun was found loaded with three shells, Jake. And so I do want to tell you about this gun because maybe you'll know something. So shotguns only take three shells and it's fully loaded. So if he shot himself, there would only be two shells. You don't have to tell me Jack did. And thank you for saying that. And look at this shotgun. Yeah, it's only a three sheller. That's a Remington uh, 11. Remington 1100. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Not an 870 because of the choke. It's an 1100, yeah. So the so thing the about this... on the front, you can change the spread of the bullet pattern. Okay, so there is something in this gun that you can take out and modify to allow it to fit five bullets, but you have to modify the gun, which is legal, and there's no mention of that in the police record. All you have to do <laughs> is uh, open up the... Uh, tube with the shells and then you cut the spring in half okay see so but there was no there was no note that the gun was modified i wish i had more information but it's also a huge shotgun giant it is a big shotgun giant huge so it was swabbed for prince but not until a month after he was found and there was no my friend robert fogel used that shotgun for uh, duck hunting Wow. Yeah. I never knew Creepy. it killed Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> crazy. So there was actually no usable prints found. There was four prints found, but none of them were legible, I guess. And they weren't taken until a month after his body was found. Of course. Also, the cops fact... being caps. Kurt was five foot nine inches tall. That gun is five foot two inches tall. So I did a little bit of Googling, and it kind of depends. It depends, is, it depends on a couple of things, but generally speaking... Your quote-unquote wingspan is about how tall you are. I found a lot of people on Reddit who are 5'9 talking about they had a 5'8 arm span. Bullshit. Oh, arm span. Yeah, so you could theoretically reach that. I guess I don't know, but it he just seems it seems <laughs> like socks on. Yeah, I shoes? don't know. I don't. He did have shoes on. He did. He had purple Converse's on. Couldn't have fucking done it then. So how long would you have to stretch to reach that far? You know what I mean? Stop. Show me. Okay, no, we're gonna talk about that, but um. Yeah, so I I don't know. I'm only 5'3", so I have T-Rex arms, but I'm feeling like that's a bit of a stretch. And Kurt was also... Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> Kurt was also right-handed and somehow allegedly had managed to have the strength and dexterity to, man- to fucking manage a gun that large and pull the trigger with his left hand. He I think that's left-handed. weird. No, he was right-handed. The gun was found in his left hand. He would have had to pull the trigger with his left hand. A five foot, two foot, like heavy. 
I mean, can you do it in his mouth too? Is where it. I mean, you could do it. You think it's not plausible? Okay. The first go-to. I want you to add to that equation the fact that his body was found with blood levels of heroin that was about 1.52 milligrams per liter, which is three times the dose that would kill someone his size. Oh yeah, bet. Yeah, bet. 225 like, milligrams of heroin was what he would have to have shot I up. I guarantee Courtney Cox fucking shot him up. Courtney Love. Courtney Cox is innocent. Sorry. Don't slander Sorry, her guys. name. Courtney Cox is innocent. <laughs> Courtney Love, you dumb bitch. There was also diazepam found in his system. The sleepy thing? Mm. So she fucking... Not Rohypnol. It's a different thing, but it's, but a, it's sleepy a sleepy thing. thing. Kurt is someone who had been using heroin for a long time. He's clearly someone who had overdosed before, and I just find it really hard to believe that someone who had overdosed before on way less heroin would then shoot up that much and proceed to shoot themselves because he would know he was going to die. He is almost died from less. Huh? I don't think you could fucking operate a shotgun. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that because that also makes the story that not only did he inject three times the dose that would kill him, but he was also able to pick up this giant shotgun. Why would he pick up the shotgun if he just did three times the dose? Why would he pick up the shotgun shotgun? if he just did three times and he knows he could die because he's overdosed before? Three times times as much as I did the last time I almost died. Let's also shoot myself in the face. That makes no sense. When you do that three times, like three times as much heroin, like how, I don't know how you're going to react. Do people know how you're going to react at that? Well, you, you, it's just, it's just like when you take heroin any other time, you know, you take the heroin, you shoot up. (laughs) It takes literally like fucking 30 seconds to feel like you're about to piss yourself because it's injected into your bloodstream. That's how it feels. It feels it feels like, no, you don't, but it feels like you pee yourself. It's a hot by your crotch and it goes down and it feels like you pissed yourself, but you didn't. And it, it takes like literally a minute to feel that way. Then what? And then after that, you just feel fucking euphoric and crazy and it, it just oversweeps you. You feel really warm. So I personally have done drugs before intravenously and cannot imagine having the strength to then figure out how to shoot myself in the fucking mouth yeah. with my opposite hand and a gun that weighs... Yeah. What fucking nine pounds, men? Mm-hmm. I mean, max. Max. Uh, I I don't know. I just don't know. Andy's on diazepam. What? At what point? At what point? And let's talk about that some more. Actually, because you're right. Like you said, if he injected that much, why did he also shoot himself? There's also a lot of controversy about the lack of blood at the scene, but some experts have been noted as saying that Kurt shot him well okay the fact is that Kurt shot himself inside his mouth and some experts have come forward as saying that most of the blood would be retained in the head which is gross and I'm sorry the back of his head would be fucking missing I mean and that was a huge source of cons- uh, but he's laying down he's laying down and that so was a huge blood, source of controversy the blood if he's laying down. that's what you'd think right and there was a huge source of controversy because there was not blood all of those slander. pictures I showed you like of the towel and the drug kit were all immediately next to his body there's no blood mm-hmm. like you I saw it there's it. no splatter nothing you wouldn't there's have known splatter on the wall um no because we sh- no, I, don't see the wall. I didn't there oh, okay we'll we'll, we'll 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 ch- we'll double check the walls but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just really shady that there was nothing near the drug kit and the wallet and the cigarettes that were right next to his body. There would be brain matter. A puddle. Brain matter. Oh, my God. Sure. Brain matter yes. and uh, skin yeah. and hair. He had long hair, so the hair would fucking be stuck to the walls. I've seen dogs get fucking vaporized by cars. And, like... What? 
You seen that? I've seen them been carried into places after. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, <laughs> how many and times? And they're dripping. They're just dripping. Yeah. I mean, it's disgusting. So, I mean, depending on the type of shot in the shotgun shell as well, it's still the force of being that close, though. It, like, there, it's going to blow. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is that he was very close to it? It's like yeah, if, if he's fucking choking on it with his mouth. Okay. Yeah. It don't matter if it's birdshot, buckshot, slug, or what. You know, it's, it's a lot of force. It's very close to a thing. It, a, I mean, I imagine if you took a fucking gun like that and shot a wall, it would shoot through the hole. Uh, shoot through the wall, it, or at least no, make a huge hole. It, well, you don't think so? With birdshot, it's so many tiny little pellets. It would just chip the paint. So sus, okay. so sus. But still, I'm saying like, even the force coming out of the barrel of the gunpowder, like it's gonna that force right there is enough to blow the fucking mm. back the shit up. out. CSI, bitch. A filmmaker named Nick Broomfield. CSI Nevada. You're welcome. A filmmaker named Nick Broomfield decided to check out the conspiracy for himself with the '98 documentary film Kurt and Courtney. He spoke with Courtney Love's dad, Kurt's aunt, and a former nanny of the couple. He also spoke with a friend and former frontman of a band. His name is El Duce. He claimed that Courtney Love offered him $50,000 to kill Kurt. El Duce was submitted to a polygraph test issued by an expert named Dr. Edward Gelb. El Duce passed with flying colors. No problems there. He did say that he knows who killed Kurt, but he wouldn't say a name because he was afraid for his safety. Pussy. El Duce was found dead a few days later, apparently hit by a train while he was drunk in a freak accident. Suspicious. Isn't it? Broomfield summed it up by saying, quote, Courtney Love, just be out here. She's like a fucking master assassin. Don't fuck with Courtney Love, apparently. Don't fuck with Courtney Love. Hey, we love you. We love you. Sorry. We're actually just going to delete this whole episode. It's fine. Broomfield summed up the film by saying, quote, I think that Kurt committed suicide. I don't think that there's a smoking gun. And I think that there was... Only one way you can explain a lot of things around his death. Not that he was murdered, but that there was a lack of caring for him. I think that Courtney had moved on and Kurt was expendable, end quote. You weak ass bitch. He, he probably came out and said that. He didn't want to get sued by so, Courtney Love's legal team. He didn't want to get El Duchade. Yeah, he didn't want to get El Douched. He didn't want to get fucking found. Apparently, oh, you're drunk. <laughs> he drunk, he, he got hit train. by a train. Yeah. This isn't 1910. That an Trains aren't fucking new inventions, no. okay? Like we know where, we they're, know where they're coming There's from. There's literally a track right there. Don't stand on it. I just drill. don't understand. I just don't understand. And that suicide attempt in Rome, Courtney was very public and insistent about it being a suicide, but Kurt himself had publicly said that it was an accident. He said he didn't mean to take the drugs and the alcohol together. Like we said, that drug was Rohypnol. So to me, not supposed to mix them. (laughs) But how do you accidentally take a drug? Uh, I don't have any water around. Oh, champagne. I mean, I can see it happening. No, he. Okay, so he said it was an accident. He didn't mean to take the drugs with the alcohol, which implies to me that he did mean to take the alcohol. He didn't mean to take the drugs. And the only way that could happen Mm. is if someone fucking drugged you, bro. So, I don't know. It's just really, really, really shady. And the fact that also, Courtney claimed that there was 50 Rohypnol pills found in Kerbane's stomach. So, I don't know. The doctor that treated him, his name was Dr. Osvaldo Galetta, who treated Cobain in Rome. He said that after Kurt woke up, he told me it was an accident. He said he had been confused. 
He took pharmaceuticals and alcohol together. He said it was a mistake. We can usually tell a suicide attempt. This didn't look like one to me. End claim. End quote. Sorry, not claim. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I I think that's shady. I don't know how somebody... Okay, so Courtney's stance on the suicide changed majorly in 2015 when in an interview she said, quote, When Nevermind came out, Kurt was rapidly hailed, hailed as the spokesman of a generation and he gained tremendous influence. He was almost immediately approached by the Freemasons, the Illuminati, and the other secret societies, as well as the CIA and other agencies, because all of them wanted to recruit them. Kurt wanted nothing to do with them, and he told them to go to hell. That's when they began to seriously harass him. They followed him everywhere, made creepy phone calls in the middle of the night. I I mean, I'm sure they got creepy phone calls in the middle of the night. I'm sure. It made Kurt very nervous, and he began carrying a gun and using more and more drugs to cope. I had always thought that he had reached a point where he was no longer to take it and he decided to kill himself, end quote. That's a direct quote from Courtney Love. That bitch wild. After wilding. the police released some new f- pictures of the crime scene in April. Uh, oh, this is more of the quote. I'm sorry. After the police released some new pictures of the crime scene in April, I began receiving a lot of letters, emails, and phone calls from Kurt's fans. Among the fan mail, I received some classified files emanating from the CIA. I don't know who sent them, but I know they are legitimate. Because <laughs> they say CIA on them? Who could you type those three bitch. letters if they were not from the CIA? They clearly proved that Kurt was being spied on, and they designated him as a target to be eliminated. I know they kill him, and I will prove it! Exclamation point. How? She continues to say that the CIA had already tried to poison Kurt in March of 1994 while he was in Italy. Talking about the Rome hypnol overdose. The press had reported that he was suffering from an overdose-induced coma, but he was actually a victim of sink train poisoning. Kurt refused to make the information public because he was afraid to me, afraid for me and Francis. The papers I received proved that the CIA was behind the poisoning. The government has been trying to kill him for months, and I think they finally got him. Kurt was murdered, and the CIA is behind it, end quote. Juice. I like your little drink of the the drink while you looked at me. That was good. I just wanted to see if you were like, yeah, fuck yeah. <sighs> Definitely. I mean, do I think the CIA is bad and shady? Yeah. Do I think? I I don't think the CIA killed Kurt Cobain. Also, why would she wait 20 fucking yeah. years? Well, duh, fucking gotta... <laughs> Gotta pat that shit. I guess. Kurt's body was cremated. A third of the ashes were scattered at a Buddhist monastery in Show New York me City. His head. Another her- one third was scattered in a river in Washington, and the last third was given to Courtney Love. Cremation is a really good way to make sure that nobody can ever exhume a body and reopen a case. Obviously. Yeah. So I think that's really uh. interesting. We don't have conf- we don't have concrete evidence to say that yes, for sure. Courtney either killed or was directly involved with but Kurt's we know. death. But I think it's also interesting that in 2018, Kurt's daughter, Frances, was going through a divorce. The ex-husband was awarded custody of Kurt's old guitar. I don't know how to say it, so that's just how I'm going to say it. And uh, his name is, I'm so sorry, Isaiah Silva. We got Kurt's guitar? Yes, so he got Kurt's guitar in the divorce. How? On 9... Sorry, I'm just trying to. D- okay, on December 3rd, 2018, a 911 call came into the Los Angeles Police Department. Quote Someone broke into my friend's house. They got three big guys, and I'm freaking out. 
Like they busted all in the house. The alarm went off. They were threatening him. Later in the call, the guy goes on to say that the intruders pretended to be police and they told him to get the fuck out of the house while they forced Silva into a black SUV parked outside. Um, Who's Courtney Love's parents? Silva, the director of the CIA? Silva was actually kidnapped, held for three days, and... Da, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to double check. MKUltrad. And, yep, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yep. And the person who uh, kidnapped him violently threatened him and his family in an attempt to force him to sign an agreement relinquishing Cobain's guitar and any claims to the resident's spousal report or Cobain's trust. Uh, Silva managed to escape unscathed thank god he's actually okay i'm not sure if the guys let him go or what but it's just really weird to me that this is another he still has a guitar it's just really really fucking weird to me that this is another map on the back of his guitar declaration of independence national treasure national treasure three give me a call isn't it weird though that there's another man in courtney loves life who seems to be a victim of organized crime yeah isn't yeah, that weird? who's Courtney Love's connection? Courtney Love's dad is actually the manager of the Grateful Dead, or was the manager of the Grateful Dead, and he's actually come forward and written a book saying that he knows Courtney did it. What? Sick burn. Yeah. Fuck you. So I only bring... Can we get that book? Yeah, we should figure That's it out. Sick book. So I guess this episode isn't an Are You Scared episode, but more of an Are You Shook Jake episode. No, I knew she did it. You knew she I did it? would like to think the CIA did it, but no, there's no way. There's no way. I think that she just said totally that to it. try to get people off her because yeah. she knows that she did it. 20 years of people hating you. <laughs> yeah, it just breaks way. it down a little bit. What do you think, Jake? Like? Uh, she used to be kind of hot, and now she's very scary. And she was very scary when she started getting into heroin. And she's very tall, which makes her even scarier. What do you think, Jake? Was it a good love-themed Valentine's Day episode? That was really good. You liked I it? I loved it. Oh, good. Okay, anytime there's a good a spicy, juicy conspiracy theory, I'm fucking into it. Also, I love when we get to talk about music. Manatees are incredible. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where I tell you a happy story. We're going to bring up the mood. If you guys have a happy story, The fucking- mood's been good. I mean, mood's been good. Yeah, we we're doing good. We fucking hate Courtney Love. Yeah, we don't like Courtney Love. But anyway, if you guys have a happy story, send it to me at thehorrorcomedypodcast.gmail.com. Or if you're a hacker from Nigeria. That's fine, too. Manatees are incredibly intelligent marine mammals who show long-term memory and associative learning skills on par <laughs> with dolphins. Wait. Do you know manatees have the second largest dick in the world? I didn't know that. Besides you. You're supposed to say who has the first? Me. Oh, I beat you to it. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I don't want to cut that because it was so good. It's a Mr. Deeds joke. Anyway. <laughs> not Mr. Deeds, uh... Fucking the one where he's in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. 51st dates. 51st dates. It's yeah. kind of a fucked up one, though. <laughs> when you look back at it, it was pretty fucked up. But he was, like, romancing this lady with a fucking brain injury. Brain injury. And her whole family was like, please just leave her alone. And he was like, no, I'm going to fuck her. Nah, I'm going to diddle her. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's romance. Now she yeah. has a baby. Um, they are thought to have inspired the myth of the mermaid because in 1943, um, Christopher Columbus saw three, quote, mermaids, but they were actually manatees. Christopher Columbus, the fucking asshole, was probably on opiates. Probably. And the sea cows talk to each other while playing and during intimacy. But like us. We're sea cows. We love it. I am cows. a sea cow. <laughs> I'm just a regular cow. But here's the kicker. There's scientific evidence to suggest that they regulate their underwater buoyancy, their ability to rise and fall in the water column by farting. 
as depicted in an Instagram post shared same. December 10th, 2020. I'm a sea cow. Informational illustrator Brian Ahern claimed manatees can control their buoyancy underwater by farting. Yo, that's the, my gamer tag. Sea cow farts. Sea cow farts. Unlike fish, manatees don't have a specific organ called a, slim, a swim bladder that uses gas to regulate buoyancy. To save energy while moving through the water column, manatees fart just like humans do, according to a blog post. To blast off. <laughs> they just oh. propel themselves through fart By power. Farts, just like us. Same As the way. only completely herbivorous, I can't say those words, aquatic mammal, <laughs> according to, I don't want to talk about it, according to the nonprofit <laughs> organization Save the Manatee, the average adult manatee can manage can measure just under can 10. Can manage a tea. Can measure just under 10 feet long and weigh between 800 and 1,200 pounds. And such size requires hefty portions. Manatees consume up to 15% of their body weight in algae and seagrass every day. When this plant matter is broken down in the digestive tract, the production of methane occurs. According to the Columbus Zoo, manatees can hold in their manatoots to get lighter and float near the surface. I hate you. Letting one rip, on the other hand, allows the animal to sink lower in the water. And this stinky little trick comes in handy. Manatees will surface every few minutes to breathe through, although they can hold their breath for up to 20 minutes, placing 90% of the air in their lungs, reported Smithsonian Magazine. By comparison, humans replace about 10%. By farting? Uh, no, just when they hold their breath underwater, yeah. Uh, several manatees with buoyancy control problems have been rescued and taken to Lowry Park no, Zoo in Tampa, God, Florida. No, they're so stinky. Observers no. reported that such distressed manatees Luckily. exhibit a lack of buoyancy control and had distended caudal ends and that they floated with their tails higher. Because they're fucking shit in their pants. After treated... After treatment with a laxative, the animals expelled the substantial volumes of gas and regained their buoyancy control. <gasps> Dis- ah! Disgusting. <laughs> Manatees are humans. They're like the gods fucked up and they were like, I make a fart. Make a fart. Put them under the water so that no one hears them fart. <laughs> man- it, this is man. Oh, we fucked up. Ah, this is man a tea. Okay. Yep. Manatee. Also known as sea cows for their seagrass grazing, lackadaisical lifestyle, manatees are found in the Caribbean basin from the southeast U.S. to the northeastern South America. Four populations of the marine mammal can be found around the globe, all of which belong to the scientific order Serenia, also named for the manatee inspiration and the myth of mermaids. From the dugong found in Southeast Pacific and Indian Oceans to the Amazonian and West African manatees, its population is considered either endangered or soon to be. And that is from an article called Fact Checked Manatee Farts by Snopes.com. Also, manatee fun farts. fact, I got to help roll a manatee back into the water once. What? It was the highlight of my life. It was just casually. Like, we skipped. on the beach? I skipped school on like a Wednesday because they were only half days and we went to the beach. We have a friend of Lex's. And, um,. Saw a manatee? There was just a manatee and everybody was like trying to push it back into the water. So we went over there and like. Dope. Touched it. Pushed it in the water. Yeah. Oh my god, you're a humanitarian. It's cool. <laughs> so fucking horny for you right now. If you guys like the podcast, the best way to support us is to hang out with us on social media. Or, or give listen. us a subscribe, yeah, a like. Listen. That's cool too. Listen, literally tell, tell your friends. gym teacher about it. Tell your coders. Tell your boss. We are on Twitter at Horror Comedy. Nope. We're on Twitter at Comedy Podcast. We're on Instagram at the Horror Comedy Podcast. Uh, Facebook and... TikTok at the same 
horror comedy podcast and you can send us an email at the horror comedy podcast that's p-o-t-c-a-s-t at gmail.com we'd love to hear your scary stories your happy stories your pet pictures anything like honestly anything we love pets please check out the sources for giant shit that's gross please check out the sources for this week because there's a fuckload of them i can't even call them all out by name because there's like an entire page worth of sources i had a really fun time doing this episode right you guys so please be our valentine be our valentine don't forget to drink water don't forget to drink water mom and dad love you very much happy valentine's day don't forget to drink water bye